Welcome to the 4A Music Podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Alexandria. And I'm Amy. On this week's pod, Keith Jarrett plays again. The Escape of the Band Room. Introducing students to the inner workings of the music industry, new music, and more. First off, what's new? What's on your mind, Amy? Aw, I got to see Sweeney Todd in previews. <laughs> it was so good. My One of my bestest friends ever, my earliest friend of my life, Bridget, won the lottery. She's been big on just putting her little name in there every time. And she won and they put us in the front row. So it was like intense. But if you know the show and you're like kind of a theater uh, fanatic, if you will, it was incredible because we were so close to the actors. Um, Also, what a hard musical that is. Can I just um, iterate that as my cat is crawling on my computer? Um. It's so hard musically and those like literally everybody, the pit, the actors, the MD, everyone involved just had that on lock. It was like internalized so insanely and it's so unpredictable. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily like intuitive at all. I wouldn't say Sondheim's writing and I yeah, it just inspired me so much. And the Sopranos were cracking me up because I. (laughs) I guess I'm a Sopranos. I don't know. I whatever. So, (laughs) but whatever. Like I sing high sometimes. And they were they would just open their mouths and go like it was like so intense and awesome. And I'm still kind of obsessed, but I felt super weird after because it's such a dark show. I just felt like off for probably like 40 minutes. (laughs) It was amazing. Was there a lot of blood? Yeah, I don't. I gotta look it up. Well, first of all, Josh Groban. Everyone was like obsessed. Oh, he wait, sounded. I don't know. He don't he know played Sweeney. Oh. Yeah. So Josh Groban plays Sweeney. There's like a Broadway, a big Broadway poll. Anna Lee. Oh my gosh, I don't remember her last name. Oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. But she's big there. And then who is the guy from Stranger Things? This is so embarrassing. I should have like planned this before. Which one? Which guy? First? The one with the curly hair. Oh, the he kid. went to Boko, right? Um, yeah. like a little, like a younger kid. I mean, now I think he's like thin, twenty something, like but a thin or no, the guy with like the curly. Wait, this is so. You weren't dumb. expecting. <laughs> I was going to ask you like a weird follow. I know. No, it's fine. Annalie Ashford, and then who is the? I gotta find. That's the girl. Gatton? Gatton Matarazzo? Is it him? Yeah. Yep. Wait. Wait, who were they in Stranger Things? Let me check. Dustin Henderson. Oh, Dustin, like with the like the teeth? Yes. Or no? I don't know. I wish I could like none of us know anything. Is uh, (laughs) basically it was a star-studded cast. Why did we even bring that up? I don't know. Who's the kid in wait, but it's like one of the is like one of the younger kids in in um Yeah Stranger Things or whatever. Like he's in it. 
Yeah. Right? He's an adult now because they're all like old now. He fully is okay. old. That guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one that has that had some sort of like the teeth implant kind of thing. I see a picture mm. here on Google. Yeah. He went to he was going to Boston Conservatory. Oh he's wow. incredible. Yeah. I just gotta say, like all of them, all of them can serve just like from a vocalist point of view to be nerdy. They had such good technique, every single one of them. Intentional use of like head voice and registration, like it was insane. And then obviously they were all in character. So like they weren't thinking about any of their choices, to my knowledge. And another thing I noticed is that the music supervisor was Alex Lackamore, who was like the guy who was so involved in Hamilton and like other things like that. But that guy, I think, has a lot to do with how that sounded. I think it was in, it was I don't know. I could go on and on. You both would love it. Be front row for that, too. Oh, you asked about the blood. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I started talking about Josh Groban. I think it's because like, every time well, you do it. When I think it, of blood, I think of Josh Groban. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when he would do it, it was so freaky. They had this huge chair, and he would just like do the motion, and the blood would just go like down everybody's shirts. And then he oh slid them down the chair. Like It seemed like maybe there was a pit back there that they would just like fall into. And his like interpretation of being delusional was awesome. Like he would just kill people and be like, "Rah, I'm Josh Groban." Oh <laughs> you need like the Disney Plus version of this. Like the, like the I need to see this literally. Video, like yes, <laughs> the choreography was so good too. There was all this like hand like creepiness, but it wasn't overplayed, which I loved. Like. The girl who played Mrs. Lovett as well, who's supposed to be kind of insane as well. I don't know if that's an appropriate word to use, but she's lost her marbles. Yeah. And she she didn't overplay anything. So it it read so convincingly because when she would make a choice, it was sort of like, oh, that's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> no. So that's insane. I loved it. As you can tell, that's I'm real. still reeling. This was on Saturday. That's cool. When does it does do you know when like the show is like they're in preview, so the show goes yeah. kind of like live soon or something? Like in the next Yeah, end of March. I believe they're like we saw it when it was basically two weeks, because I think they started previews on maybe like at the very end of February and they go live, I think like the end of March. So they're wow. like they have like a month of previews. That's gotta it's be like already amazing though. Ticket. Yeah, it's gotta be like the new biggest ticket kind of thing in town, right? I think so. Oh. I think. Cool. Yeah. Um, Alexandria, what's new with you? Uh, I went, or I am currently in Texas. So, <laughs> and I, when you, I haven't been to like home in March in like five, six years. So I finally got to go to the rodeo and I got to see my cows and I got to see, um, I don't know, just the carnival and the energy there is amazing. I got to eat my turkey leg, my big smoked turkey leg. I had to have Dippin' Dots because there are only two places to get Dippin' Dots in Texas or in Houston, and that's the zoo. <laughs> and <laughs> like one Dippin' Dot stand at the zoo and um, at the rodeo when it comes. Wait, what so, kind do you like to get? I like the rainbow ice ones. Oh, Like they just hit different. Like, you know, the Dippin' Dots from like service stations they don't hit the same as like dip and dot stands 
Mm-hmm. So I've only yeah. had Dippin' Dots at Yankee or not Yankees games, baseball games. What? <laughs> only at Yankees games. They're so <laughs> delicious. <laughs> so delicious. And I didn't just come here to like go to the rodeo, although that would have been nice. Uh, I came here because I played a gig. It was very fun. It was my first gig with my oldest brother who plays bass. And it was just really interesting because we never really played together other than my mom forcing us to play together. And we were just like, <laughs> I don't really want to play with you. <laughs> like, eh. um, But this was surprisingly, it went surprisingly well. I was very proud of him. He hadn't played bass in, you know, maybe like since the pandemic, he hadn't really picked it up. And he astounded me in a good way that he was just able to pick it up and do all the things. I was like, wow, look at you. But I was mad at him because he didn't practice some of the music. And I was like, yeah, he didn't practice. He said, yeah, you are correct. It's <laughs> like, cool. Glad that we still ended together. Nice to just throw your, be able to throw your brother under the bus on a, a, a public podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, Anderson, I'm love you. you. <laughs> he's still he's I, I say he's the most talented one out of all of us because he can like do everything he can sing he can dance he can play he can also like he's also aviation mechanic so he can also do regular people things and it just amazes me so he's super cool anderson still love you <laughs> no <laughs> that's, that's pretty so cool. fun that's like yeah that's such a cool bonding moment to like play together I guess it's funny if you haven't done it before. It's a new <laughs> What about you, Charlie? What have you been up to? Um, well, over the weekend, I saw the Everything Everywhere All at Once, that movie. Oh, it didn't was, it just win? It was perfect timing because it just like won all the Oscars. Um, so I was like really excited. I just saw it before the weekend. But it like the Oscars made me think of uh, what we talked about a few weeks ago, where it's like, why do we keep giving awards to adults? <laughs> <laughs> kind of a thing. Um, it just is so funny because like no one I knew, like no one I talked to in the last couple of days, like I did not know the Oscars were yesterday night, and like no one I talked to know knew that they were like that they were then I think like everyone is like oh I saw the stories today or whatever or like you see the speeches on social media or whatever that is but it's like either they did a really bad job of like promoting when the Oscars were going to be or whatever or just like nobody keeps track of that stuff anymore like everyone was just kind of seeing it after the fact like getting highlights but um but the movie is awesome it's like super funny and the action is great also about the, also about this movie is like most people I talked to have not had not seen it and like we hadn't seen it. It was kind of like oh we really want to see it, but it's very it's been a very hard movie to kind of track down because it's it's right now it's just on like Showtime or something, which is like the last streaming service that nobody has or whatever. But um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's awesome and all of the all of the acting is just like so good. The stunts are so good. It's so funny. It's so thought provoking about like it's Ooh. so deep and like philosophical, but also so kind of just like silly at the same time. It's like sounds like you, Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> I yes. wish I wish I wish I was as cool as this movie, but um, but yeah, highly recommend. Um, other things that are on my kind of list are. Uh, next week I'm going to Youngstown. Uh, next week is spring break at Berkeley, but um, the later half of the of spring break I'm I'm spending a few days in uh, kind of Pennsylvania, Ohio. I, I'm doing a thing at Youngstown State uh, for 
the tri-state Nats um, organization there. So like I'm kind of giving a talk. We're doing like a whole day of like contemporary voice sorts of stuff. So like um, I don't know. There's like a panel that I'm on and like doing some demonstrations and like doing like a little bit of a master class kind of situation. So I'm really excited to go do that and hang out with my good friend Chip. Uh, Dr. Chip Dugan. Yay. Uh, who's out there kind of like organizing some of that. And then the third thing uh, that I wanted to just mention is that Foray Music is starting a book club. Woo! Yeah, we're so excited about it. <laughs> um, terrible crowd noise. Sorry. Yeah, that was bad crowd noise. Maybe I'll, I'll add some in in post, but, um, <laughs> but we're starting a book club. Really excited about it. The first book we're going to be reading is this book um, by producer Rick Rubin. It's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And um, we're really excited. I've almost got copies of this book to Alexandra and Amy. We've tried, but the post office is being really cranky about it. Uh, shout out to the post office. But the um, but we're going to be reading this book um, over the course of the next kind of month and a half. And we'd really love you all to join in on that conversation and read along with us. There'll be more information uh, that I'm probably going to post later this week. So keep an eye out for that. And um, we really hope everybody kind of hangs out. I think I'd like to do this every month if we can, uh, you know, keep up with it. <laughs> keep up with it. <laughs> At least then I will have read 12 books a year, which is like a really, yes. which is a nice goal. But, um, but yeah, we're starting for a music book club. Keep an eye out for it. Uh, really excited. That was my, I'm inspired. That was my whirlwind um, sort of what's up with me. I'm going to try to replace scrolling with reading. I tried that with Substack. Really? Yeah, How's like it going? Instead of, um, it's actually going pretty well. I, I subscribe to a few Substackies. I love it. So and scroll through Substack, or if you have your book on your phone, scroll to that. Speaking of Substack, let's move on to our Substack for music.substack.com. This is our newsletter this week. Here we go. Here we go. Let's do it. Dun, 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 dun. Imagine attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> oh my gosh, help me. <laughs> okay, so our first A this week is brought to us by Alexandria. What's our oh, first yeah. A? So Keith Jarrett plays again. This is big, guys. So I actually was half asleep when I discovered this interview. Um, <clears throat> I was attempting to search for things on YouTube to help me fall asleep. <laughs> one does <laughs> and it usually ends up being a master class of like some like classical pianist like teaching me how to play mozart and this time i did not get that instead i stayed up for 45 minutes and watched keith Jarrett's interview yes um this guy rick beto he's a youtuber also a multi-instrumentalist um and I first off, it's I thought it was very rare to have like Keith Jarrett, especially nowadays, like after his strokes, to have them do video interviews because he has to talk in front of people or in talk in public, which you know he lost movement and I think his left side is paralyzed, so he's like talking out of one side of his mouth, which is so sad to see. Mm. But it's it's still inspiring because he's like I'm still here, guys. Like here I am. Um, 
where they talk about different phases in his careers, um, his compositions, like what got him into place making the or composing them. He sit, they sit down with him and his like we were invited to keep Jared's living room and then he like puts on um, some of his records and he's listening to them and he's like, oh, yeah, that sounded good. Like I had one <laughs> more hand. I was like, oh my gosh, Keith, that's crazy. And he goes on to talk about um, some of the stories that of like touring with some of his favorite musicians like Paul Motion and Gary Versace and Jack Dejanet and goes on to say what he enjoys about like playing with one of them and them as human beings. Like he says, Gary never learned the words, but me, yeah, me, we always knew the words. Me and Gary, we always knew the words. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> um but the greatest part was when after like listening to my song which is like a very famous um keith jarrett tune mm. um which everyone should go check out um but they were talking about how keith like brought these folk elements into jazz that was kind of like missing and keith goes like yeah i would they were missing like most pianists were missing like this triadic um sound that i, I really wanted to explore and then he goes on and he starts playing his tune writer and he's like can't really play the bass line but here and he starts playing and i'm just like man this man still has the magical touch like and it was beautiful to see him not give up mm. on keeping the music alive within himself like mm -hmm. it's just because he himself cannot like be physically where he was before he's still sitting at the piano and playing it and it's still a source of life for him it's it's not it's still a healing space for him um which i really appreciate it because most people like you hear these stories like pat martino who like went through that horrific thing like forgot how to play guitar listen to himself to learn how to play like himself again um and like keith is coming or mr jared i don't know i don't feel like i deserve to say keith um <laughs> he's still got the music within him and he's still pushing and he's i think he's more fearless than ever because now he's like in the public and doing his thing when he's notoriously like get away from me mm. so i think that's wonderful that's heavy i feel like i'd be kind of like uh i don't know stopped in my tracks if i couldn't use half of my i don't know that's yeah makes me think but also makes me think about wisdom because how old is he now so he must have a different perspective than you know what i mean he's had like yeah. years and years of playing and clearly like the music is it transcends his hands yeah i i um i saw i kind of heard about this interview through the um through ethan iverson the jazz piano play uh pianist ethan iverson's like blog he has this like do the math blog and so that's kind of like where this popped up and i was like oh my god i need to watch that and um yeah it's interesting i mean like i wonder how much of so like uh ethan kind of like kind of alludes to this but he said he says um anyone who cares for Jarrett will need to watch this interview while it's tragic to see a giant after debilitating stroke Jared is unexpectedly and joyfully straight up in his rap, quite <laughs> unlike much of his personal presentation in the past. So I think, I think there's like, yeah, there's also this quality to it where like he seems a little bit different, like, hmm. like the vibe seems a little different in this interview. 
you know, like he's kind of like he just seems kind of like more I don't know. I've I've noticed with with other older folks that I've known in my life where it's like some like something kind of clicks and then maybe it's like a stroke or whatever that kind of thing is <laughs> like they almost kind of like he seems more like almost like childlike in mm-hmm. in the interview. But the stuff he's doing just I mean it's like still the stuff he's doing in his right hand is like I I could have a I could have a hundred hands and like not do stuff like that. Like he's like harmonizing melodies like stuff just with his right hand and um yeah. there's obviously some like deep deep muscle memory thing there there's like some deep deep thing that's like mm. deep somewhere that like can't get like can never get destroyed or something you know what i mean like it's like endure- yeah. there's something in there that's enduring yeah it's it is rough to watch though i mean like this is mm. These were these were my two. I think we mentioned this maybe last week a little bit talking about the Wayne Shorter thing, but it's like these were my two like piano heroes was like Chick Corea and Keith Jarrett, and it's like Aww. not that long, not that long like in time period they both kind of like you know some some shit like shit went down with both of them. So obviously that Chick Corea passed away is that's like that's like not just shit going down, but the. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 crazy to see him like that. Um but but yeah, it's definitely something that definitely something to check out. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. Check it, check it, check it out. Amy, what was your or actually my my A is the next yeah, day. I think Charlie's next, yeah. Charlie. I'll just jump into my thing. So um okay. there's a really beautiful photo journal published in the New York Times uh this last week. Uh and uh called one thing hasn't changed i think this is the title of the of the article one thing hasn't changed the escape that the band room can offer um and this really like this really uh trick like i i feel like the getting emotional over chicory and keith jarrett kind of thing this thing kind of like hit me in the feels uh like the nostalgic feels because like for me in high school like the and kind of in middle school a little bit too but like the band room was kind of like the safe space um that's why like i at some point like i i went there and like hung out there during my lunch period and like kind of like all of my all of my friends were like all my friends were there it's like we would go play in the pep band or we'd play in the marching band or we'd do whatever and then we like that was the hang like the times we weren't playing, we were like screwing around, getting in trouble. And then like after we were done playing for like the game or, or the concert or whatever, like the hang after the concert um, was always like such a, just so euphoric. Like it just felt like, oh my God, we just did that thing. Everyone was so happy about what we did. <laughs> like, like it was kind of a little bit like stressful or something in the moment, but then we did it. And then it's like, now we don't have school until like Monday, you know, a lot of times it's like Friday (laughs) night or whatever, that kind of thing. It's like, and there was just so it like the, the, the carefreeness of that, the joy, but, uh, but like what this kind of article goes into is kind of like the safe space that is kind of like the band room for so many kids. I mean, like, I don't Mm -hmm. think I was like an, I don't, I wasn't an outcast or whatever. Like it was all cool, but it was just kind of like, you know, you would go there and just feel like, man, we're like, we're like on the same team or like people, people here are like cool. You know, it's like, 
Yes. It's not that it's not that no one's going to get made fun of. We're all going to make fun of each other like ruthlessly, but it's like we're like family. It's like, you know, you say stuff and it's like you're teasing each other and it's like funny and it's like you know, we're all on the same team. So, um the quote the quote from one of the students, uh this this article um was mostly the most of the photos were taken from um a photographer named Ashley Markle who uh uh, from the high, this high school in Ohio, and they said, uh, band didn't even feel like part of the school, to be honest. It felt like I was part of something special and important. I felt that I could make a difference on a large team of people all striving for something we cared about. Um, they talk about like romantic things happening in band and all that kind of stuff. And it was mm -hmm. like, that's, it was like, that's how it was, you know? And I, I do think it felt like compared to maybe some of the jock jockier kids or like whatever it was it was kind of like we were like dorks or something but it was just kind of like but the article talks about too like yeah we kind of feel like dorks a little bit but we also feel respected and part of this was that like we feel like it's um it's kind of clear the power of music you know like someone might think being in the band is a dork like you're a dork if you're in the band or that's like a mm. silly thing to do but when you're like walking down the hall and everyone's playing your instrument or you're playing in the pep band and you're like crushing it you know just like you having like the crack like that where it's just like the like the crack of like the brass like <laughs> over the drums you know in in pep band or whatever marching band or whatever it's just like everyone like I think people like really respected like, oh, that's the power of that thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did, did either of you like hang out in the band room or the choir room or any of that kind of stuff like in high school? Like was that any of the safe space? <laughs> no? I had a kind of a different story. Yeah. Like we had the band room and the jazz room, but the jazz room was not the safest space for me because they my school i went first off i went to a, an arts high school so there was there were no jocks there yeah. were theater kids and they were like the cool ones you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> and the jazz people were the cool ones um but they the people in my program especially in my like years there um they were really heavy with it so i used to walk in and this one guy, person would like quiz like first thing in the morning like alex who's this playing name the personnel and i'll be like good morning oh <laughs> um or like they would if i wasn't making like changes at some point which i shouldn't i was in ninth grade like i didn't really play saxophone i played a flute i was like how do i even like make this thing sound good it sounds like rubber um they have like alexandria here what, listening to me do this and then they'll play right in front of me and it's like okay cool guys wow but the band room was beautiful i don't know what it was about the band room that like everyone was just like yeah our band director is crazy let's just get on with it and make some great music and i don't know those those ended up being the homies the ones in the band room but jazz room interesting space the jazz room like people were vibing it was like a, it was like the it's like the story of the unfriendly jam session not exactly the story the jam unfriendly jam session but band room friendly jam session <laughs> <laughs> i love that i definitely felt it in yeah i didn't i stopped band in like 
uh, sometime in middle school. Um, hey, a I lot played, of my most. I played trumpet. What What did you play in band? Clarinet. Clarinet. I also played um, alto saxophone in fifth grade in a jazz band, but I'm not sure how that sounded. <laughs> it was at a different school. I a lot of my most fulfilling musical experiences growing up honestly were like outside of school they could be through school but it was like the like the nisma programs like a lot of those choirs are where i felt that feeling hmm. as well as the art room because i i took art class all the way up and that's where i actually would spend like my lunch and free period because i was like working on a portfolio my senior oh. year and i was like you know when you're in a senior and you're kind of like oh my god I have like three friends left and everyone sucks. <laughs> like, so that's how I would pass the time. But I totally like, I, I've definitely felt that in the band and choir rooms as well. Just in high school, it, for me, it ended up being the art room or those like weekend, like it sort of can be transported to different groups, I think. Sure. Yeah. Or just like in, in spaces that are a band or a choir. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. Yeah. I, I I guess maybe this is like the band room is just like an example, right? Of these. Totally. Like it could be like the, it could be like a church situation or something like that, or it could be like an athletic thing, or it could be like a lot of different forms of art. It could be like the, uh, whatever, like the French room or something, or like the, thing that you, like <laughs> mm -hmm. the, you know, like you have like yeah. a teacher that feels cool or you have like a little community of students that kind of like all seem to kind of coalesce and they kind of feel like your people. Yeah. Yeah. I totally noticed that at um, a high school upstate called Whitesboro, I did like something small there and like everyone hung out there the whole day. Like I was there all morning and they were just kind of like hanging, doing homework, picking out their songs. Like I was like, <laughs> you guys have class. They're like, hmm later <laughs> i was like i love that okay yeah oh my gosh like wait till it's you fun to have college. a hang like that yeah it's fun to have, i was just gonna say that that it's fun to have a hang like that in high school wait what was the last what was the last part of what you just said <laughs> no i was just gonna say like wait till you get to college it's like way more intense like the, <laughs> it, like you think i think people i think high school students i thought in high school like i'm in jail or whatever it's like whatever it's like <laughs> Nope. Wait till you get to college. You're like way more in jail. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Every second of your day is like high school is actually amazing. Yeah. You I, don't I know think, it at the time. Yeah. No, you're right. Or maybe it, it does suck for some people, though. I shouldn't make a generalization like that. It's an I interesting. Mean, everything kind of sucks for everybody at some point. Or True. Really, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. High school is definitely like a great example of like not really understanding what you have while you have it kind of a thing totally but i think that's like a feature of it i just think that's like <laughs> built in i don't think you can like separate that feeling out but mm -hmm. um anyways feeling nostalgic a little bit um uh amy what was your what was your a my a is about um this cool new thing called the b side which is short for uh business side I literally Googled music and this popped up. So that's pretty awesome. Yes. Literally, I was like the first hit. I don't know if it was the first hit. <laughs> Probably not, but it was up there. I didn't have to scroll very far. <laughs> um, but this is like really, really cool. I should say up front, like I didn't 
do a lot of marketing classes in college. So sometimes when I hear about stuff like this, I'm like, I wish, like, why didn't they teach me this? And I did do a performance degree. So whatever, that's food for thought. But um, basically Carnegie Hall has a new program um, and they are um, introducing New York City high school students to what they're calling the inner workings of the music industry. It's a week long and it's like brand new. Um, it sounds like there's only been one so far, but that there's going to be another week happening soon in April. Um, but I think like the the main things that I loved about this were one, this picture of them in a semicircle. I just like love when people sit in circles <laughs> uh, in, in like any setting, but especially in education, <laughs> because I know what that feels like. You end up feeling like you're, I just know what the, in, what that feels like on the inside. So I love that picture. It was kind of powerful to me. Um, two. So I loved this quote, I think just says it really like plainly. Um, who said this? Now I got to get the first name. Sorry. La la la. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Ayana Cole, I hope I'm saying that correctly, is the director of social impact programs at Carnegie Hall's Whale Music Institute. Wow. I could have crashed and burned on some of those words, but um, I liked this way of saying it. Basically, the quote is what research was telling us was that the artists who were bringing in a significant amount of income to the music industry. And I, I also would like expand that maybe to just like influence or like presence. Um, were largely of color, but that didn't necessarily reflect in the C-suite or other leadership positions in the music industry. So basically just pointing out the blatant disconnect between the influence of artists of color and then how the leadership of the music industry and sort of like the the gurus at the at the top of the fields are like probably not reflecting the same thing. AKA like lots of white men. Um, and I also loved, they, they basically just taught these students like different kinds of marketing, um, radio promotion. I'm kind of reading right now, but content creation. And then this is awesome. Like the different budgets that apply to everything, which I think is such a valuable thing to have mm -hmm. as an artist is to just like be aware of the realities of like, what do things cost? And like, like what's really going on basically. Um, and then this was another cool thing at the end of the week long training, the students kind of had to like synthesize everything um, into mock label presentations for family and friends. So I'm also like obsessed with when people do showcases and like, like the ending stuff where you have to present something that's like fake, but somehow like extremely applicable to mm. something real. So it just seems like a really cool thing. I'm excited to see where it goes. And I think it's um, also great that it's associated with Carnegie Hall. That was another thing that came up in the article was that like perhaps Carnegie Hall isn't maybe no. I think it said it's maybe known for more like European classical music. Um, and so, yeah, it says this initiative challenges assumptions about who Carnegie Hall uh, is meant to serve as well as what forms that service might take. Hmm. Just cool stuff and important stuff. 
I love that. I, I I do agree with like the presentation at the end. It's like t- like the little tying of everything together, and mm-hmm. I think having their family and friends come. It's like, hey guys, like this is a possibility for you, you know, and getting them on board to like support their person into believing that you know they can do this thing that maybe they are not represented right now, but they can be the representation. Mm-hmm. Which I think is very beautiful. Yeah. I've been very into like uh, this week, I've been reading a lot of like weird stuff about entrepreneurship and capitalism and stuff that's been like jumbling my brain a little bit. So I <laughs> me not to, re- to read all this in, um, in the, through the lens of that, which I think is mm-hmm. fun. But yeah, um, this reminds me, there's this, uh, there's a blog post this week um, from a, a, a professor um, that, at least used to teach at NEC and maybe is at NYU or someplace in New York right now named uh, Tanya Kalmanovich. Kalmanovich. I've never said it out loud, like so many names, mm-hmm. um, but they, they posted um, something uh, that came out yesterday that was called on teaching entrepreneurship. That I think is like apropos to this conversation, but is it okay if I read like a unrelated <laughs> quote? <laughs> It's probably related, so go ahead. Okay, cool. So one one of the premises from this is that like entrepreneurship is like kind of like both the cure and the disease a little bit. Mm. Like this idea that we're forced to be entrepreneurs is a little bit the disease, but like being an entrepreneur is like the is the cure to not being um, to have to having money to buy food and stuff. But right. um, but uh, Kalmantovich writes. This is how we live now. At least this is how we live in the United States. We are all entrepreneurs because opportunities for secure paid employment keep shrinking and the cost of living kept rising. And the tech companies that promised artists the opportunity to live off their art have yet to deliver. And so here we are. The global pandemic made plain what was already the case. The people who continue to play are often the people who can afford to play. And that to me was just like, I mean, this echoes actually a conversation uh, Alexander and I were having last week about, about, um, about things related to this, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of like, I think there's, I know a lot of artists and I think myself included that are kind of like, why do we have to be entrepreneurs about this? Like, why does this have to be, I mean, capitalism is basically like a competition. It's like those who like there's winners and losers, you know? And, um, and I'm like, I don't want there to be winners and losers. Like, I just want to make music and, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't really want to charge. I don't want to charge people who already don't have a lot of money for stuff (laughs) that I'm making or whatever. You know what I mean? It's the kind of thing. It's like, I, I, I think like intellectual property should just be kind of like ideas. Like I, every idea I feel like I've had is like really something I stole from someone else probably, whether like thinking about it or not. And so I'm kind of like, I don't really feel like I own ideas. I don't even know if like, I feel like I own anything. Like I just Mm. feel like I have this stuff in my house and like someone could come take it at any point (laughs) or I could just die, you know, or it could just like, or it could disintegrate. (laughs) No, I just like, it's like, no, it's interesting. The permanence of things and all that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then some of the dialogue of like, well, well, 
what what's your original thought? What do you own? What do you have? What do you have? What do you That's have? kind of like spoken to people. Yeah. 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 And there's just kind of this pressure to like make money on stuff, you know, like like you said, um, you started the software being like, I didn't really take very many business classes in college, you know? Yeah. But I bet you feel a lot of pressure to make money off of off of your art, even yes. though like, no one ever really taught you to do it. And I think like there's a lot of like oh, there's all these like tricks and stuff. And like, if you just file this paperwork here with the government, you can get some extra money. And if you get it here, you can get in a TV show and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, mm -hmm. all that stuff feels like tricks. That that doesn't I know. Feel like, that doesn't feel like solid. You know what I mean? Like, it's just- It's just strange. It's like a circus. Yeah. And like the art clearly is like operating on like a, like a, a transcendent playing field. But like, we're being asked, to put it there because then if you don't do that then you're spending your time making money somewhere else, like somehow else yeah i don't know like my my theme this year has been like well i have to make a living <laughs> like that's how i'm framing things because i know i don't know I, I don't know i was very grateful in college i was my parents supported me financially by paying my rent and paying the majority of my tuition so i was only forking out like a couple thousand dollars a year to support myself and then other than that I was just like oh la la let me just like go to this concert and like get food here and now it's kind of I'm just having like the the sort of adult breakthrough of like money comes in and money goes out and then if I want to spend my time doing art how am I how what who yeah how there's ways but there's so many tricks like you're saying yeah it's it to me, if I was like, if I was creating the system, it would be like, you you shouldn't have to trick, you shouldn't have to like almost feel like you're like you found out a secret to something and you filled out a special mm -hmm. form, that if everyone filled out the form, there would nothing would come from it, but just because just only a few people know about the form, that it's mm -hmm. like there's actually money there or something, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, it just feels like they shouldn't have to be tricks. It should be mm -hmm. like. Do, do we want music in our society? Like the answer is obviously yes. I mean, like anybody that says no is absolutely full of garbage. Like they, yeah. everyone loves music. Everyone needs music and art and all that kind of stuff. And we've just kind of been tricked by this, like, by this, like, um, it's like Reaganomics, capitalist, <laughs> like <laughs> whatever that kind of thing is like that, that it's like, no, there's got to be, you know, you have to basically be an accountant and a lawyer and uh, like yeah. MBA if you want to. <laughs> and you also have to kind of be a jerk, by the way. Like most of the people mm -hmm. I know that are like, listen, I'm making my money doing this, blah, blah, blah. Like th all those people that are like so hardcore about that, and, like talk about that all the time, at least in my experience, like th they're those people are either kind of like screwing somebody else out of money, like, mm -hmm. like stealing from bandmates or like doing some like gnarly shit or they're like, or they're just like kind of being jerks or their music kind of sucks. And it's like, yeah, yeah. They're getting paid. <laughs> like they're getting paid, but it's like that, you know, at what like, cost I have this, like this, like, I don't know when people are like that. I feel, I don't know. I feel like this all stems from like how, you interact with the people that you're around or the people that you're brought up with. Like if you're brought up around like people like really trying to like, I don't know, like you, Charlie and you, Amy, if people are like around you and they end up being coming executives or like managers or something like that. I feel like they're going to be 
ethical because they are just around your energy. They're around who you are. But if they grow up and usually these executives and people who are like slamming entrepreneurs, they're around other jerks. So that's how they end Mm -hmm. up being jerks and just screwing other people out of money. So if we are able to bolster and support those people that are around you, Charlie and you, Amy, then like, I feel like then we can get some progress somewhere. I don't know. That's just, I don't know. It frustrates me when people, they come from something and they think they deserve everything. And I really, I just want to be like, you come from something, but let me just show you, buddy. You can be nice (laughs) and you can make your way. I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, I feel like just, just to like support, to not separate those executives in the beginning. Like, I think we're separated like elementary school, like have, have nots or whatever. I don't like, I think everyone Mm -hmm. has everything, but you know what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. like it's about Anyways. value too you alexandria always says to me like uh she just comments on like the power of the company that you keep and the effect that it has on yourself in character and in the way that you or that one carries themselves i feel like that's that can like trickle into this as well where if someone is brought up around values of like wealth and like power and entitlement and all these things it might not even occur to them a different set of values so yeah perhaps it is like just trying our best to share outwardly what the values are and saying have you thought about this (laughs) but it's just so much quieter though like and like and i i think it's like to me, it's much more of like a responsibility, not just of like parents or close family members and, and all that kind of stuff. Because I do think there are people that transcend that, you know, mm-hmm. there are people that don't have that, but still kind of like seem to seem to kind of end up in a place where they're like, you know, what, however you define good people, I guess. And that there's like a lot of there's different ways about that, but just like treat people with dignity and respect, you know, yeah. Um, like there are people that have really horrible parents and still are like that. And there are people that have really great parents and just, you know, and aren't. so they, there's, I think there are yeah. some, I think there's some personal responsibility, but I also think as like a society, we're trending in this way where we, where we care less about what, what you're like, how you treat other people. And we care more about, you know, what you have or, you know, all that kind of stuff, like how rich mm-hmm. you are basically, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, but like, um, I think it's great <laughs> to, to not be like totally, not to totally change the subject on this, like on, on this bullet point, you know, like, I think it's like, there's, there's two sides to this, I think in this, like when I think about this, like early education stuff, there's some of this kind of like being able to protect yourself a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like to not be scammed to understand your worth. Like, I think that's really important, you know? Um, Absolutely. But I'm nervous of this idea that like everyone needs to have an MBA or like everyone needs to be an entrepreneur in this kind of way that that needs to be your main thing if you're going to make it, you know? Cause I just yeah. think that that's like, that's kind of offloading a lot of stuff onto artists back that are already kind of carrying a pretty heavy load in our society. I think Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, speaking of people carrying a heavy load in our society, we got some new music this week. (laughs) (laughs) It's called a transition. I invented it. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing is from an artist that um, that I actually didn't know about until maybe about a week ago. Uh, Callie Uchis, I think is. I heard a. I heard a. Um, I heard I've listened to an interview with her, so I knew how to maybe have like a guess at how to pronounce her name because I'm doing my homework. This is what I do. Um, but uh, so Callie Uchi's on her lush, captivating third album, the pop star looks to the heavens, summoning the cosmic power of love and the divine feminine. Um, I listened to this album quite a bit this week, actually. I'm super into it. It has Ooh. like it has like a lot of different vibes for me. Like it, the for, like I started to get some like outcast kind of vibes, like with some of the production and like some of the kinds of things. But then it has just like all these different sorts of like R and B pop sort of like things that are um, kind of like from all over the spectrum. But there's like cool singing. There's cool things that are like I don't know if it's quite rap, but there's things like that. Um, but it was like it was like good vibes there's like a lot of different kinds of stuff going on it's like it kind of like was giving me kind of like summer music vibes which i know the next uh music ex example is definitely giving those vibes but um but yeah it was cool did either of you uh check this out at all or have you have you heard of this of this artist before i've heard of caliucci's but i never listened to their stuff it's so cool I have to check it out yeah, it's cool. I dig it. Same. I think you both would like it too. So Pitchfork gave it like an 8.2 out of 10, which is like a funny scale. But um, but that that's a really good review for Pitchfork. So um, oh, wow. I've kind of heard the, a couple other people talk about it. The cover's dope. For oh, real. With the butterflies. Yeah. Woo. And if you if you like listen to it on Apple Music too, like the butterflies fly around and stuff in the cover art. Like this is a thing that's Get happening out. now. Like uh, especially on Apple Music, I think on on Spotify too. That like the album they're doing like kind of graphic yeah. motion album album artwork, which is Pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, Red Moon and Venus is the name of the album. So highly recommend from Charlie's personal Charlie's personal playlist <laughs> spring playlist. <laughs> um, and then Miley Cyrus did a number for us. She put yes. out an album called Endless Summer Vacation. And I don't, I don't, maybe I was just like not hip, but I just thought she put out flowers and that was just like going to be it. Mm. But she brought us a whole album and apparently it's a tribute to LA, which sounds like endless summer vacation. Um, but there's like, I think there are things that are quintessentially Miley that I think we, we've seen her like grow from like, it is the climb to it Jay's when my Jay's on something like that to this. Like, I think this is her at least for now, her most authentic voice. And that's what in NME thinks. They said, certainly this album feels like an accurate reflection of who she is as an artist and a person in 2023. So that, like, I haven't listened to the entire way through the album, but it's definitely going to be playing in my headphones on my commutes into work. Um, and then the next album, I always have to include them because I'm obsessed with them but it's the country duo warren treaty they're not real country guys just listen to it and you'll enjoy it <laughs> lol <laughs> alexandria is like trust me okay guys it's it's called lover's game and of course it's about it's a tribute that brought them together love their husband and wife and they are so good i've mentioned them like fifty-seven thousand times before so just listen guys i keep mentioning them <laughs> 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 uh, 
Like some, up what she's someday putting we down. will listen to some country. Someday you're going to trick us into being like, huh. Oh. Chris Stapleton, I did listen to Chris Stapleton after you talked about him. I yes. have never listened to him before. And then he sang and, the Super Bowl and stuff. And he was. Yeah, and Yola, right? Yola. Yeah. It's great. But Yola is kind of like a lot of different kinds of things. Yeah. There's some like rock, there's some like classic rocky vibes in there. A lot of stuff. But I will check this out. Warren Treaty. Woo! Okay, our extra credit this week. I was trying to, um, you know, trigger some of the political people in our world. Uh, extra credit was bad news for Joe Biden. This is a this is a tweet from uh, Gabriel Kahane, who's one of my absolute favorites, uh, singer songwriter, composers, uh, pianists, guitar players. Um, this is from this is actually a really old tweet, but it just was like mm -hmm. it was on my list of things, and I was like, now's the time. Um, I just <laughs> heard this. Do you? Have you either of you heard this? Like, what do you want to say to Joe Byron? Yeah, <laughs> I have. Assume you're so Charlie really likes that one. <laughs> that to me. I was like, oh god. <laughs> um, I've already mentioned it to Alexander probably like six times or something. I was like, Joe Byron. <laughs> um, but anyways, I had to put it in here. Um, so Gabriel Kahane said, an increasing number of songwriters are using the bridge as an opportunity to modulate to the flat submediant. Here's why that's bad news for Joe Biden. <laughs> and I think this is supposed to be like a fake kind of New York Times quote. <laughs> so good. That's and here's why that's bad news for Joe Biden. Just after the break, we'll come back. Um, that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, that's the I think that's the newsletter and that's the kind of the podcast for this week. Um, yeah. Uh, Alex, what's our quote for this week? Uh, a blessing in disguise. John Legend. John Legend. <laughs> Joe Byron. <laughs> Joe Byron. Okay, um, Amy, you want to read us out? Absolutely. I don't know if I did Thank that you. in the right order. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I, I think we flipped it, but I like it. I think I flipped yeah. it, but we're going to try a weird new It's thing. cool. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, go, go ahead, Amy. Sorry. Okay. Thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you for supporting 4A Music. I'm going off script just to add that I've been like or texting people and asking if you want to subscribe and I'll just subscribe you right along for you. So if you have the inkling to send us your email, we can also subscribe for you if, if that's easier for you. Anyway, we're trying to get to 100 subscribers on Substack by June. Anyways, remember to like and subscribe. And just to note that if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, it helps us out a lot. And we'd love to read and highlight your comments on the show. For more, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at 4A Music. Subscribe to our newsletter at 4A. Wow, I said that's so weird. 4A Music. <laughs> little glottal there. 4AMusic.substack.com. And check out our website at 4AMusic.com. Welcome to 4 <laughs> A. For A. For A music. Oh my goodness. Also, yeah, shout, big shout out to Amy's uh, TikTok game right now and for a music. Yes. Come check it out, it. guys. There is some killer content, as the kids yeah. Kids are saying that, right? I think so. Yes. Anyways, we'll see you next week. We think you're super. Bye. Bye. Great show, everybody. Great show. We rallied. Yay. That was fun.
Yoink.